This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. It's easy to get started. Visit westernsouthern.com. Now batting, number one in our hearts. At least he'd like to think so. It's the Jim Day Podcast. All right, welcome into the Jim Day Podcast, everyone. Thanks for checking us out. Wherever you're hanging out and listening to this bad boy, we really do appreciate it. As we welcome in, uh, well, this guy had a 15-year major league career, including with the Brewers, San Diego, Tampa Bay, Colorado, and indeed... The 1999 Cincinnati Reds that won 96 games. He's a four-time All-Star. Please welcome in Greg Vaughn. Greg, how you doing? I'm doing good. How about you, Jim? Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm doing fantastic, and it's uh, great seeing you. We're doing this one via Zoom, and I imagine since you are a sack town for life, as in Sacramento, California, that's where you're coming from right now. Yeah, I just came back from my house yesterday in Vegas, and I'm home for a couple weeks now. What's uh, man, you've got so much. You're such an interesting guy to me uh, because you, you've you know, when people think of you, they think of intense leader. Um, but you're you're involved in so much. Uh, it seems like uh, you kind of have life going on right now, if you will. Yeah, maybe a little bit too much, but no, I'm enjoying it. Right. Cause I, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it is, it, it's a lot of time and it's, but it's, you know, it's a way for my mind to stay busy, you know, and uh, and a way for me to stay busy, a way for me to give back to, you know, uh, my community and uh, whoever needs help. Yeah, I would love to talk about that here coming up, all your charitable endeavors and uh, the things you're involved in in the business world. But, uh, of course, in Cincinnati here, uh, everyone remembers the 1999 season in which you, you played one season with the Reds, but what a glorious season it was. Uh, I'm going to start with what I think is one of the biggest compliments I've ever heard, and that's Marty Brenneman, Hall of Fame announcer, said, in my 46 years of broadcasting Reds baseball, the single greatest leader I ever saw was Greg Vaughn. When you hear that, what's that mean to you? Um, You know, just like you said, uh, especially coming from Marty, you know, you know, I was shocked when I first heard it. You know, I still have the message on my phone. I, you know, someone sent me the podcast. And, you know, when you think about the history and the mystique of the Cincinnati Reds and, you know, all the great players, you know, and, you know, myself, you know, getting to play with Barry and all before him, you know, ED, all those guys. It's, I, I think that's why I played the game. I think, uh, you know, I tell, you know, my sons or I tell my friends that, you know, the rest of the stuff takes care of itself, but as long as you have the respect of your peers and the, the people you play with and go to battle with every day, you know, that's the most important thing. And, uh, 
I learned that at an early age. I learned it, you know, from home, of course, first, but also, you know, I got the privilege of playing with Robin Yao, Paul Mulder, Jim Gandner, you know, the former Red, Glenn Braggs, Mike Felder, uh, Willie Randolph, Dave Parker, you know, you know, so there's a lot of people in my village, you know, that, that showed me how to do it the right way. Didn't mean we were always, you know, I was always going to have success, but you know, the way to be a pro, the way to approach the job, the way to, uh, I think competing was already in me because I was a football player, but I think, you know, like I said, to, to what, the way to be a pro, the way to go out there and, and battle and handle, you know, the day-to-day -day and what it meant to uh, and respect the game, what it meant to be a professional baseball player. You know, it was an honor, not a privilege, you know what I mean? And, uh, that's what I tried to do every time I took the field. You know, I, like I said, there's probably times I shouldn't take the field throughout my career, but you know, you only have so many days to play and I didn't want to give one of those days up. Yeah, absolutely. I had, uh, talked with, uh, Barry Larkin about you, John Casey about you and just say, Hey, is this, you know, Marty says this is, is this legit? And they're all like, Oh, Bronny's legit. You know, Casey, he's a legit brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The mayor. Yeah. The mayor. He was, yeah, I, 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 I see Case from uh, time to time and, you know, Lark from time to time. And uh, like, like I said, that, that team was special too, just because, you know, Barry, you know, he wasn't, I was the, I guess the bad cop, you know, he was the good cop. And, <laughs> I you know, like that. He, 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 you know, he, uh, he led by example and which he did. No one played harder than he did. You know, he took the field every single day and, uh, but I was privileged to have, you know, Aaron Boone, Sean Casey, uh, Pokey Reese, Mike Cameron, uh, Jeffrey Hammonds, the Meat Hook, Dimitri, you know what I mean? Uh, and then and the pitching staff, you know, but Pete Harness and Steve Avery and guys like that, you know, we had, we had veterans with a lot of talented young players that didn't take it personal or they did take it personal, but they didn't take it for granted that, you know, they were in the big leagues. They wanted to learn. They wanted to compete. They wanted to win. And I think, you know, we had that, you know, that cliche, that one heartbeat, you know, that we all went out there and we, you know, we played for the name on the front and the back took care of itself. And the more people said we couldn't do anything, the, the more we thrived. And that was probably the, not to take anything away from anything. I didn't, I'm not sure how I was, I was going to feel going from San Diego to Cincinnati, going from home to California, going to Cincinnati. You know, all you do is hear about, you know, the stories, but that's probably some of the funnest baseball I ever played, you know, with the fans and with, the, like I said, those, all those young guys and, you know, the city embracing us, you know, it just sucked that we couldn't get it done at the last weekend of that season in 99. Yeah, that, that was heartbreaking, but you mentioned all those names, man, some just great names uh, to think back on in Red's lore. Uh, but you mentioned good cop, bad cop. I love that uh, analogy because when, you know, you talk about, which is now the legend of Greg Vaughn here, it really is. Uh, they, they talk about players being afraid of you, like not afraid of you, but afraid to mess up because you would address it. Was that part of being the bad cop? And I don't no, mean I that think... in a bad way. I mean this in a good way. No, thank you. Thank you. Uh, no, for, for me, I think I don't think they were afraid of me I, or afraid of messing up. I think I challenged them to be the best that they can be every single day. You know, I think I challenged them to 
prepare every single day, you know, uh, you know, to work hard, get the extra work in early. And, you know, to, you know, all the tutelage I had before me, you know, uh, I, I just tried to pass on down to, to those guys and they were all shoot. They were willing, eager and hungry to, to eat it up, you know? And, uh, and like I said, Lark had his part. Uh, we had senior King Griffey senior, you know, on the staff, he had his part, Mark Sweeney, who came with me from uh, San Diego. He knew what it was, was like to win. And I think we just, for that short time I was there, we just tried to change the expectation of what we thought we should do. And it, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. You know what I mean? We're out there fighting and grinding every day. Why should we let society or, or people tell us what we should or can't do? And I think, you know, after that first series, you know, Denny Nagel, again, on that staff, you know, we went to Atlanta and we shut the door, told the coaches to get out and we had to air it out and say, Let, that's enough. You know what I mean? Uh, and th- like I said, the players, they ate it up. You know, they, 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 they just soaked it all in. And it was, our expectation was to have fun, have a good time and to win, you know? And I think we set a lot of trends that you see today because I'm telling you what, that was the funnest team probably per player that I ever played on. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where we just went out there and uh, tried to prove the world wrong. Yeah, there's lots of quotes from your teammates. Aaron Boone had said that was uh, the most fun year of playing baseball that he ever had in his career. And, you know, he went on to the Yankees and is in Yankees lore now. So, But that 1999 season uh, sticks out. You'd mentioned – you didn't know what it was going to be like going from California from the Padres to Cincinnati. You hit 50 home runs in 1998. You were the first player in MLB history to hit 50 home runs and then be traded the following year. What was that like? Were you surprised? Yeah, especially when Mr. Shot called me at like 5 o'clock in the morning to tell me I got traded to the Reds, you know, California time. She called you. you know? Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, you know, Greg, honey, you got, I just wanted this more shot. I was like, whoa, I, said, I, I didn't know if it was a dream. I didn't know if it was real. That's you know, a pretty uh, good impression right there. <laughs> you know, uh, I was shocked. I was cut off guard because, you know, the late Kevin Towers, rest in peace, you know, who uh, brought me to San Diego, you know, 24 hours, you know, it's that old saying, if they tell you you're safe and you're not getting traded, pack your bags, you know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> 24 hours before that. I wasn't getting traded and spring training starting in what, about three weeks, you know, two, three weeks. So I, I, I believe that I believe I did everything I was supposed to do to stay there. You know, you just come off the world series. The, the one thing you want is another chance to try to get back to that with that same group of guys, especially the way it ended. And I think it took the city of San Diego by storm because I had another year under my contract that, you know, Tony Gwynn was always, that man that was a, the company man that did it politically correct. He'd never wavered on issues. You know, he's just stayed in his lane. But that time, you know, he was a great friend of mine. And he 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 was pissed, so to speak. I mean, he was pissed. The mm-hmm. fans were pissed. I mean, and actually, I was pissed and hurt because, once again, I, I felt like I did what I was supposed to do to stay where I wanted to stay. And... You see a lot of other guys get rewarded for a lot less. Yeah. And I, I felt like I left it all out there. I played every single day, play hurt, and I was packing my bag. So 
I, I was hurt and bitter at San Diego for a long time, but uh, the most fun, I think, it was Cincinnati. I mean, on and off the field, we, because it was, it, you know, that old saying, it was us against the world. And, yeah. you, you know, the last day, you know, we got home at three o'clock in the morning, had to play at one and, you know, the Mets are waiting for us and tip our hat to Al Leiter and those guys, they did what they had to do. And, uh, you know, we fell short. And then, you know, once again, I don't know, 45, 40, whatever it was, home runs, it was, I would love to have one more chance, especially with this young group, because how talented they were, how eager they were and how good they were. You know, it, it was an honor to watch all those guys grow and play, you know, right under your eyes. And, but at that time, you have the chance to get the best player in the world, which is King Griffey Jr. or Greg Vaughn. I, there's nothing to get mad at. I understood it. You know what I mean? And uh, I just wish there was a way that we could have made it work that all of us would have had a chance to play there because I, I love the city. I love, you know, when they had me back and uh, I was able to see some of the old faces, you know, the Stowe's and everybody else like that. It yeah. was you know, the, the, the people that worked at the old ballpark there at the new ballpark, just to see the faces and see everyone. I mean, you know, those, those people will be in my life forever. And uh, they made an impression and hopefully I did too in a good way. Well, I was heartbroken too. Uh, as, 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 excited, as excited as I was to get junior here, um, man, I just, I, I look back and you, you should have kept that nucleus together. You left as a free agent, Mike Cameron, uh, was part of the, the Griffey trade. So it was one of those that you look back like, man, pretty good nucleus in 1999. I would have loved to have seen you guys go out at a few more seasons as well. You you mentioned that Met, man, you, you mentioned Al Leiter, and it just like a stiletto in my back. I mean, every time I <laughs> see him on TV or think of Al Leiter, I can't help but think of that one game, uh, play-in game. How heartbreaking was that? Just not only that day, but the the series in Milwaukee leading up to it, where you could have taken care of business and avoided it. It just was not the perfect storm. When you said storm, that's what it was for the last yeah. four days. It, <laughs> that was, rain delay. it was a storm. It was a, yeah, literally it was a storm. We uh, I think every game was delayed. You know, yeah. every game was ending well past midnight, and we started the last one I think at midnight. You know what I mean? It was supposed to be a Sunday day game. Yeah, and. We got to see all the football games. We got to do, you know, we, and, you know, to tip your hat to Milwaukee, you know, that's where I learned to play. They weren't going to lay down. You know, they came out there. They could have, you know, when you're playing the last three games of the year and, you know, their core guys went out there, which I expected them to do. I mean, that was the Brewer way. They went out there and uh, made it happen. You know, we fell short and we had to win the playing game and it didn't work out. But I tell you what I think, all of us as players learned what we were about inside and learned how good we could be. And hopefully, you know, uh, you know, like I said, once again, I know the hall of fame is the ultimate goal, but to hear some of the comments that, you know, writers and people would call me and come back with, you know, or I was doing stuff, stuff, you know, ESPN, you know, or MLB network and they're, Bonnie, what the Reds have the best player in the world now? They're in last place, you know what? What, and you know to hear Casey or 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 Dimitri or Booney say we miss Bonnie, you know that that was a testament, you know, and th that's why I played the game because you know it, it's not it, it's playing, it's leaving everything out there on the field, but it's about you know passing on 
and being around guys that are willing to learn and and take what I learned from other great players, not consider myself a great player, but to pass it on to other other players. And, you know, like look at Booney, look at Casey, look at, you know, Dimitri, who I see a lot now. And uh, you know, Mike Cameron's doing his thing, you know, and Daz is doing his thing. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that I know I was I was a part of their uh, legacy, so to speak. You know what I mean when they when they mention my name and like I said, that's what I, I played for the, the respect of my peers and my teammates. Yeah, you you get the ultimate comp- compliments from them, but the fans loved that 1999 team. Sold out what was then called Synergy Field. We've forgotten about that now. Riverfront Stadium sold out. Riverfront Stadium in less than 12 hours' notice for that game. Uh, the atmosphere that day, even though it didn't go your way, was unbelievable. Yeah, I remember it was chilly, it was cold, but then, too, you know, I, that's something else that I learned. You know, I, I didn't, I learned in Milwaukee a bit, a little bit. Uh, but when you get to Cincinnati, where baseball is it, you know what I mean? You, I mean, from opening day, I'm like, they're like, you see the parade, you see this, you see that. I'm like, parade? This and I mean, it, it was. I, I had to experience it myself. I don't think anyone knew I went out. There. I, I was there, but you know, I, I wanted to see what it was all about because I, I you know, cause even Cincinnati's a small market, but rich in baseball tradition. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first time, you know, I, not taking anything away from my other cities, but to experience, you know, if you were born in Ohio, it was, and it depends where you were born, you were either a Reds fan or an Indians fan. And I tell you what, those games were the best too. You know, when we had the the Indians and the Reds games, I mean, sold out, the atmosphere was crazy. So it's, it was a special place. It's a place I'll never forget. You know, it was, you know, I didn't know if it was going to happen when she told me I had to shave my goatee, you know, and that was my next <laughs> question. <laughs> was my next, you knew I was going to go there at some point. The most powerful goatee in the history of Cincinnati sports. The long time, I guess, I don't want to call it tradition, but rule no facial hair on the Cincinnati Reds until Greg Vaughn arrived. Can you take us through how that happened with you and Mrs. Schott? Well, like I said, me and Mrs. Schott, it all started with that 5 o'clock a.m. phone call. When she told me I got a trade and the next words out of her mouth is, you know, we're excited, but we got one problem, Greg, there's no facial hair. I said, I still think it's a dream. You know, I'm like, hold on. She did that on the first call to you. Yeah. 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 I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah. It was the first call. And I said, Mr. Shad, I think we have two problems because I'm not shaving my goatee. You, You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and, and I think part of it was if I could do it all over again, I don't know if I would have kept it out of respect to all the guys that played before me. Now being a little bit older, out of respect for, you know, the Joe Morgans, the Pete Rose, the, you know, Mr. Foster, Perez, all those guys. I uh, They even got Dave Parker to shave. Yeah, they got Pops to shave. Which was an you know, accomplishment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, and, and that was one of my heroes, you know, growing up and to be able to play with him in Milwaukee and, and see him a little bit in Cincinnati. And I hope he does get in the Hall of Fame because I think he deserves it. But yeah. I, 
I think I was more angry at being betrayed by the Padre Brass than I was the rule. You know, my kids have never seen me without a goatee. Uh, and I think that's just what fueled me to stick to my gun, so to speak. I think it was 2000, I mean, 1999. I'm like, what does a goatee have to do with playing baseball? I mean, you're playing for me as a player. Evidently, I was good enough to, for you to trade for me. What does my goatee have? But I understand rules. I understand tradition. I understand all those things. But I think I was more hurt by, you know, the San Diego brass of, you know, 24, 48 hours before that saying that I wouldn't be traded to right. the phone call saying I'm traded. Now I have to shave off my goatee too. That my kids have never seen me without. So with that being said, I think I would have done it a little bit differently now you know, being older, out of respect to all the guys that played before me, you know, because we do need rules. We do need traditions, but also I'm from California. You know, you can call me a hippie, a tree climber. You can call me whatever you want. It, <laughs> you, know, you know, you know, some of them are meant to, to be tested a little bit, so to speak. Yeah. Well, you know what? There's still no, I mean, they allow facial hair now. So um, they changed that rule for you. And it has remained. And there's some serious beard game going on in this team right now. So, you know, I've, I've, seen, I've seen I've seen those guys a few times. Whether I was doing something in Milwaukee or San Diego, and some of the players, hey man, I want to say thank you for that. <laughs> oh, know, really? They like, thanked you for yeah. that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they want to say thank you, and I was like, uh, you're, you're welcome. Or when I came back and did uh, like the Reds Fest right before the mm -hmm. season, you know, spring training kicks off, and all the guys are like, oh man, I'm so happy we get to wear have a beard or have facial hair. Thank you so much. So they're happy. But on the other hand, like I said, part of me deep down inside is saying, you know, I don't know if I would have did it, if I would have been in a different place, you know, as far as mentally, you know, hearing about a trade and being the first, like you said, first guy ever to hit 50 horns and get traded. I thought I did everything I could to stay there. Yeah. Well, you know, we all look back on our younger days and we would certainly do things differently, but you know, it is what it is. It happened how it happened. And uh, I think it's uh, it says a lot about you that you say that you might have done it differently out of respect to the players that played before you in that Reds uniform. I, I think that's I think that's tremendous. I, I want to ask you if you remember this. You set the tone not only with that, but in the grapefruit, grapefruit he tried to say, exhibition opener in Florida. You knocked Christian Guzman into nearly short left field, breaking up a double play. Uh, I don't know if you remember that, and you were quoted as saying, whoever comes here to play us better bring their lunch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's only one way. There's not two or three different ways. Not that I was trying to hurt Guzman or hurt anybody, you know what I mean? It was That was the way we were taught. I mean, I watched one of the greatest players, and when I, you know, to ever play the game, when I say this, Robin Young, you know, who took me under his wing at 21. And, and I want I don't want to say Mike Felder and, and, you know, Glenn Braggs, there were so many people, like I said, in my village and learning, even going to university of Miami, you know, my American Legion coach, Paul Carmazzi. I mean, just so many, there was only one way to play and everything else was wrong. There's not a way when you're 350, there's not a way when you're 150, there's not a way when, you know, you're getting hits or not getting hits or hitting home runs. There's only one way to play. Yeah. And, that's what I try to do every day. I mean, I, I probably slid harder when I wasn't hitting than I did when I, you know, but hey, I figure if I can make a wild throw or get that guy on first base, you know, we still got a chance to keep the inning going. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, do you think the game has changed a little bit? You know, they talk about back in the day. You always hear that phrase, back in the day. There was a top-of-the-steps guy. There's not as many Greg Vaughns, I guess, nowadays. Do you see that, or do you think it's done maybe more <clears throat> privately? No, I, I – thank you for the compliment, you know what I mean? But I, I don't – I'll just say this. I, I don't think there is many – you know, it was it was a pleasure to watch the Braves play last night and to see EY, Walt Weiss, you know, Kevin Seitzer, who I played with. I mean, all baseball guys on a staff, you know what yeah. I mean? That, because I think so many teams are intimidated or scared to let former players, guys like myself, back in the game. And I don't understand why. You know what I mean? It's, you know, it's, it's just, I would say it's different in that aspect. Yeah. But when you have... Ron Washington, 51 years in baseball. You know, Kevin Seitz for 31 years. Walt Weiss, 30 years. You know, EY, 28, 30. It's – those guys have been through it. They've done it. And I think coming from coming from someone like that, I think their weight and gold stands for itself. You know what I mean? It, it sort of speaks for itself. It you know, when you have a bunch of yes men around you and people just that agree with you and then won't bust the system that are just filling spots or slots, uh, I would say it's changed that way. You know, I I still think, I remember someone said to me, I said, I tell you what, it's changed, but it hasn't changed. You still have to throw it better, catch it better, and execute better than everybody else. And we're worried about so many other things that that's being lost. So, you know, a lost art, you know, a guy on second base on outs and out coming from guys that never played or, you know, I, I said something on the podcast the other day. I was like, man, if they would have started Mariano Rivera in the first two innings, I'd have been happy to go for one. Knowing I didn't have to face him on yeah. the back end. Yeah. You, you, you know what I mean? On outs and out. No, those last six outs are special. Trust me. Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, you know, Danny Graves and Williamson, you know, we had, they, they proved that, you know what I mean? So it's, I think they're trying to change the game, but I think it will come back around. It's just sad that you have so many good baseball guys sitting at home yeah, and that aren't part of the organization. You know, I, I, when we came up with me, Sheffield, Hamilton, the late Daryl Hamilton, uh, George Canale, John Jaha, all those guys. Should we had Cecil Feeder, Ben Ogilvie. We had guys that actually not were just in the major leagues, but great major league players teaching us how to play. I hope it goes back to, you know, less than two outs, you know, finding a way to get that guy over, you know. Shoot, you bad bad call at home plate last night, but you see the guy score because the second baseman was able to take a pitch on the inside half and hit a ground ball. Yeah. But do I think not running the first base and all this other stuff, but you know, it's a different area. They play hard. They're great players. They're big, strong, fast, you know, so who am I to judge them? I just think, you know, execution wise. And I just don't know. Maybe it's a testament to the hitters. If everyone's throwing hundred miles an hour, how come there's so many four or five ERAs? You know what I mean? It's crazy. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, I agree with that wholeheartedly. <laughs> wholeheartedly. Um, there's a difference between throwing and pitching. And some guys just exactly. throw it, and some guys can pitch it. Uh, and there's yeah, I'll take that. 
I'll take that guy that can pitch it every single time. Yeah. Well, you because, mentioned. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm saying it. You know, it's it's just weird. I mean, three one, and I'm throwing 100 miles an hour. I don't care. You know what? You're gonna have to hit this 100 miles an hour. You know what I mean? It's not. I'm gonna try to trick you. Now I walk a guy, and another guy gets on. I know it's easier said than done. But it all starts, you know, mentally in our head, you know, with confidence, you know, being able to to believe that it's going to happen, you know. I hope you're enjoying catching up with Greg Vaughn, and we'll do more of it after this. You've joined an elite group, the Homeowners Club. On top of all the work around your new house, now you may need life insurance to help protect your family and your new investment. At Western and Southern Life, we translate what's complicated and make life insurance simple. So when you're between home improvement projects, talk to one of our financial translators. To get started, visit us at westernsouthern.com life and connect with a representative today. Compensated endorser, Western and Southern Life Insurance Company, Cincinnati, Ohio. What do you think has to be done? Uh, not only the guys of color that are, are maybe sitting at home right now, but there's a lot of talk about getting the youth involved. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball started these urban youth academies, which I think are, are tremendous. But uh, on a grassroots level, and I know you work with, with kids and some of your endeavors, how do you get minorities more interested in baseball? Well, it's like anything else. First, you have to, if I'm a little kid, I need to see people that look like me doing it. You, you know what I mean? I, I think that's first. I think we have to make a conscious effort to have people that look like me coaching it and and instructing it so i feel like i belong you know what i mean i know out here in california you'll have five dads that coach a team there's only four spots left and now if you're that guy that's a superstar yeah you're going to get one of them but if you're that guy that was like me who was just raw and athletic and you know who's going to teach me how to do it I think perfect game is, you know, I don't back a lot of organizations, but, you know, perfect game, I think does a great job of trying to involve all my, all walks of life. I'll say that, you know, and they do a good job of, you know, I just came from Atlanta and there was all types of different people, 800 a day, free clinics, you know, that perfect game put on and, uh, the Ford family, I think do, they do it right. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of other organizations that do it right. You know, I know Gr Gr uh, Marquise Grissom, you know, Mike Cameron, they all have academies and they, and they do it, do it right. But they're trying to give our kids a chance mm -hmm. because I, I'm telling you, if you think it was tough when I was coming up, it's probably tougher now. You know what I mean? To even get that look or that chance. So, and you have to have people willing to take a chance and it doesn't matter what you look like. If you can play, you can play. Yeah or develop or, you know, have people in your system that can develop you, you know? So it's a situation where until that start hap starts happening, I don't know what we'll do, you, you know, but uh, it's very expensive, <laughs> real yeah. expensive, you know, from Little League to travel ball to they change the bats every year or two. Every kid has two and three bats, two and three gloves. Shoot, I'm not. Who knows where I would be sitting right now, you know what I mean, if that was the case when I was coming up, especially if I didn't see players that look like me. I know you're involved in mentoring some of these kids. You donated funds to build Greg Vaughn Field. 
you were quoted as saying it's not just about baseball. Do you get a lot of satisfaction out of mentoring um, young kids? Yes, I, th- I, I think mentoring people, you know, period, you know, uh, it, baseball was just an, an avenue for me to be part of their life. I think uh, it's about life lessons because, as we know, you know, you can use baseball as a tool to be Division III, NII, Division II. Some are going to play Division One. Some, A lot are going to get drafted, but not everyone's going to go to the big leagues. But if you can give them life lessons and let that tool – hopefully pave the way for them to be, have, get an education to be productive in a community, be productive in society. You know, uh, you're teaching, you, you know, you know, you did what you were supposed to do. And I think, you know, one of the greatest, we, we lost a section championship because one of my rules is if you get detention, no matter what, you run all practice and you miss, miss a game. And he happened to get it before the section championship. And they were like, you're not going to play him. You're not going to play him. No, no, and no. He's not going to play. And pop up to third base. We miss it. We lose three to two. And a number three hitter. And everyone, if Seth was playing, it, yeah. But no one felt worse than Seth. Yeah. And if I would have let Seth play, what would it said about my character for all the other guys that didn't get to play? Right. And now Seth works for Kidder and Peabody and he, I don't know where the letter is, but coach, I know what you were talking about. And I want to say thank you because it made me a better person for doing, for you doing that. Oh, that's, that's what it's about. That's tremendous. Yeah. That's what it's about. Especially when you're talking about kids, you know, and, and, you know, everybody's not going to get to be a major league baseball player, but he was able to go on and go to Grand Canyon and then go on and work for Kidder Peabody, you know, and he's happy and he's living his life to me. I couldn't be happier for him, you know, cause I had some kids that I've had some talent that, you know, I think getting drafted or believing the hype, you know, the reality hit them and they, they were lost. They didn't know what to do. So, you know, like I said, the, the one thing I try to teach is humility to try to stay humble. It doesn't cost anything to, to be nice, you know, two muscles to smile, 140 to frown, you know, really, quit feeling sorry for ourselves and get out there. And if you get knocked down, keep on fighting, you know, and hopefully if enough of us believe in that, we can make this world a better place as we see what's continuing to happen night in and night out. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's hard to explain, especially when you have two sons. Yeah. Two muscles to smile, 140 to frown. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Yes, sir. <laughs> it doesn't cost anything to be not, you know what? And just by smiling and walking around in a good mood, you'd be surprised of how it changed your day. And I have to put somebody else who was big in my, Mr. Winfield, you know, the first time I met him, save your money and get nothing but positive imagery of you hitting and playing the game. So when you take the field, all you have is positive stuff going on. And then I, like I said, was with the master of the videotape, Tony Gwynn after that. So yeah. uh, it is... You know, like I said, my village looked like society did, does. And I think we need to get back to that. You know what I mean? We need to quit the divide. We need to quit all this hate. And we need to quit what our opinion of great is. You know, God put us all down here and gave us my pigment, you, your pigment. And we're supposed to get along. We did. We know there's a difference, but 
you know, all these young men dying at an early age, you know, for crimes that to me that don't, they don't deserve not to come home. Yeah. You, you know, we, we got to, there's so many more pressing issues and, you know, talking about myself and, and, and you know, 1999, you know, it's, it's just sad that, you know, listen to my great, great grandfather lived to be 114 years old, talk about what he had to go through with no cars and cotton fields and all this other stuff, the, the, the no bathrooms or the no restaurants or what he could do and not do. And to me, it's appalling that people seem to want to go back to that. To me, it, it, it's so much deeper and and more important to, we should be evolving. You know what I mean? Instead of going backwards. Yeah. You know, like, you know, going back to Cincinnati, they're evolving in the way the infrastructure of the city and everything is, is built. But yet society, they want us to go backwards. And it's, maybe it's not for me to understand. I, I can't understand it, but I know having two boys, it's, it's a little nervous. And, you know what I mean? It's uh, because we have to think about things that some people don't have to think about. You know, and it's it's frightening and scared. You know, it 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 scares me, but it's really really frightening. You know, and I'm on all the reform boards here. You know, Chief Han, who does an outstanding job here in Sacramento. Uh, you know, Mayor Mayor Daryl Steinberg. You know, just trying to make our community a better place. You know, and you know, there's some people that say, you know, when they when they riot or they do this, you need to shoot. You know people have to understand we're just tired we're, we're, we're tired we're sick and tired of going through this you know what i mean and we expect it we don't want anything for free we just want the same opportunities whether that's baseball a doctor lawyer getting in schools but we also have to do the work and do the job to to have presence and to be put in those same categories to have an opportunity you know and not once have we as a race asked for anything Sorry about that. I don't know where you went. Uh, so with that being said, I think we need to, you know, acknowledge everything that's going on. And I thank you for letting me just give my little blurb out in that because, you know, earlier we were speaking about my foundation, you know, bondsvalley.org. Mm -hmm. I mean, Bonds Valley Foundation, but you go bondsvalley.org and you can donate, you can help, you know. Type one diabetes. My oldest son Corey had had type one, so that's how I started it to try to find a cure and try to be able to make you know medicine and equip uh, the essentials affordable for other people that might not be. Uh, my son, he was going to get his medicine, but there's a lot of people that don't. A lot of people that don't have the insurance. You know, it's like the EpiPen, three hundred bucks really for EpiPen. I'm going to die, but. Congress and Senate see it okay to uh, let someone charge someone three hundred dollars for EpiPen that expires. To me, that that's that's crazy. But once again, like I said, I'm not as smart as they are. You know, maybe they have their reasons for what they do. But you know, Vons Valley started, and then we were able to feed over eight hundred thousand people this year because teaming up with Island Burgers, people that didn't have food. You know, and Everyone always says, well, what does your foundation do? I don't want to be pigeonholed, quote unquote, to have to do anything. I want to be able to do whatever society is calling for us to do. You know, we deliver PPE. We, uh, like I said, fed over 800,000 people. 
And then once school started, the distance learning, we bought over 300 Chromebooks, 10,000 whiteboards to underprivileged areas because those kids didn't have Chromebooks or whiteboards, so they're going to get passed up in the education phase. And then, uh, you know, a couple of other businesses that I'm in, you know, we'll restore hyper awareness, wellness, you know, it's cryotherapy, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I have a, uh, my place in Vegas has a four person cryo chamber, but you know, we have, we go from compression to IMs, any type of vitamin shot. We have IVs, we have stretch therapists, we have infrared saunas, we have oxygen chambers, we have PMV. We we uh, we have it's a one stop shop. You know we get a lot of the UFC fighters, a lot of athletes because, and now we're getting a lot of the population, the general population, to speak because you know Restore is a brand that was able to put everything in a one stop shop, and we have lipo shots for women, we have cryo facials, we have estheticians. You know we. Everything you need is under one roof. So they are able to come in and, you know, live a lifestyle as, as an athlete would live, you know, at an affordable cost. So, you know, I, I'm proud of being part of Restore. You know, I, having one in Sacramento and one in in Vegas with other ones to come. So it's, it's something I believe in. You know, I get I got B12 shots my whole career started on playing on the USA team, you know, uh, when we travel out of countries. And I think what I'm most proudly of is the restore of Sacramento during the pandemic when it first hit. Yeah. We didn't have the build out done yet, but we were able to give first responders, essential workers and everyone immune system boosters and IVs to keep them going and be able to continue to provide and serve us, you know, and I want to say thank you to all the essential workers and first responders for their constant commitment for what they're doing for us, because this is something we've never seen before. So, you know, Vons Valley is, you know, I think it, it got me into wine, you know, to, you know, the funds go towards, uh, you know, partnering up with E2 Family Vineyard Winery. They, you know, the proceeds go towards Vons Valley, like you said, so we can touch and help as many people as possible. Yeah, I you know what I had all these things written down that you just went through, and <laughs> I, it's I just think it's awesome because uh, I wanted to lead you there because a lot of people are, uh, you know, you're a humble guy, but you you know you have to ask to bring it out of them. You don't want to act think that uh, you're so self centered. I'm doing this and I'm doing these great things, but it needs to get out there. Uh, Vons Valley Foundation. Um, so you speak with such passion. I can tell how passionate you are about these issues with the youth and helping out first responders and help me feeding people. Uh, I just think it's unbelievably impressive. Uh, and I would love people to check it out. Vonsvalley.org where they can donate. Uh, you had mentioned this wine, 23 wines, which is good wine and affordable. I, I noticed that it's a, a affordable wine as well. Um, which I think goes right along in lines with you want people to be able to afford this, but the proceeds going to Vaughn's Valley Foundation. So you're mixing a passion of helping people, and I know you have a passion for wine. Yeah, I, lo I love good wine, but I always still wanted to make it affordable for for everybody to be able to yeah. try it. And I think 
some of the teams that I played for are going to try to get it in their stadiums. And, you know, we're going to have some special signings coming up, you know, where I go out to a, a restaurant or the stadium and sign and people get to taste and, and, and do some things. And, and like I said, I, I love the cab. And, you know, if you let it breathe for a few minutes, I mean, it's fruity and it's, it has all the flavors. And I was told not to take the fruit out, you know, I was in there and with the beaker trying to do different things. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and it's, Well, I love it, me a good cab now. I've already got my eye on it. I'm going to be ordering some to help out the cause. No, I, I appreciate you very much. And like I said, 23wines.com, you know, we can ship to anywhere in the country. And uh, the shard is off the chart. You know, you let it chill. It's, it, 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 seems, it seems to be very, very fruitful but also very very good you know what i mean yeah. people a little van uh, vanilla uh has a little bit of vanilla in it it's almond it's it, it's you know it, 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 it touches the palate just right you know and for me like i said it's just another way for me to generate uh funds to help uh my foundation help people yeah you know and uh I think that's what my calling was, not just to be a baseball player, but to be able to touch people in different areas, you know, and uh, that's something that my grandmother, that's no longer here, that's what she, she always says, find time to volunteer, always find time to help, and always be, stay humble and be nice. And, you know, according to who you ask, some people will say yes, yeah, some people will say no, but, you know, if I can touch or change one, two, three, four people, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, I, and you know, obviously, by the letter you got from that young man that uh, went on to the good things, and he he understands now what you meant. I, I mean, just that story of touching that young man. I know that there are countless other young men or young ladies that you can touch in the future, and I applaud you for everything you're doing. When I started, uh, you know, I talked to Marty uh, about what you're doing nowadays and just started digging into what you're doing. And I was fascinated with everything you're involved in. I, I you know, I, I build up players a lot and some, some stories are better than others, but man, you are real, you are authentic. And I, I applaud you. Yeah. Like I said, I have my faults too. You know, I mean, you know, we're oh, all, we all do. Favorite. Yeah. We all have our, we're all broken, you know, but, uh, at the same time, uh, I, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, I, I would love to get back into baseball you know, earlier, it was time to spend with my kids, you know, because I was gone for so long. But I would love to have the opportunity to have say yes or no to get back into baseball because I love teaching. I love being around, you know, the, the younger people. And uh, we'll see what happens later on in life. Maybe somebody will, you know, Marty talks about all the time. He says, I don't know how you're not in baseball. And I said, I don't know, Marty. Maybe my personality is too big, or maybe they think I'm too mentally no. stuck. In it, you know, I, I need know, a big I dose said, of Greg Vaughn. They, they <laughs> I, I would love nothing more than to see you at Goodyear, Arizona, in the facility of the Reds, working with players, um, because it has happened. Barry's been in the organization working with the players. Eric Davis is working with players, and they really have, have made a big impact. I, I mean, you would be tremendous in that role. Yeah, you know what? And the thing about ED, every time he sees me or we talk, he's like, "Man, we got to get you in here, man. You need to be back here." You know what I mean? Eric always says, that. "He says we need to get you back here, Bonnie, man." You and uh, even Dusty, Dusty's like, you know, homie, you know, from Sacramento, also, homie, you need to be in the game, man, because we have to continue to 
have, like you said, baseball minds in the game, so to speak, but also we need to be able to keep this lineage going. So, uh, you know, the Josh Gibsons and all the Negro League players mm -hmm. that they worked so hard and, and dedicated their life for doesn't get overshadowed or overlooked. You know what I mean? We have to continue to see us fight for that. You know, yeah. no matter how much money we made, we still owe it to them to be in the game and to be able to share our knowledge with other players. Calling all major league teams. Greg <laughs> Vaughn is available to help, and he will help. Putting out that call because uh, – Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, I agree, man. You, you do need to be in the game. Uh, this has been a fascinating conversation. I, I'm so glad that you took the time to do it, and I'm so glad we got your message out there and your foundation. And I wish you so much luck, and uh, I hope you'll come back for Reds Fest. I hope you'll be at spring training someday. Uh, but more than that, continue to help people. Uh, you're a tremendous human being. I hey, mean, thank that. you so much. Hey, that means a lot to me. And thank you for, you know, giving me the opportunity to, you know, express who I am away yeah. from the field. So, and like I said, uh, I'll get your address, shoot me a text and I'll send you, I'm already some of that Ryan, and who knows, maybe I could have a signing and do some things in Cincinnati. Well, that'd be great. You know what? I, I'll I'll pay for the wine. I'll go on myself. I would like to donate donate to the cost. So uh, I appreciate the offer, but I, I'll order my own, man. I I appreciate that. Okay. Well, hopefully we can get a signing and maybe get us in the suites or something up there. Because yeah. like I said, it, all the percentage goes to uh, you know the foundation to help whatever needs to be uh, achieved at that moment in time. Yep. Well, people on the surface would think of Greg Vaughn and the way you were as a player, and they'd be fascinated to know the softy underneath. And I mean softy in a good way, as in helping people, my friend. So thank you very Thanks. much for what you're doing. I Hopefully maybe we'll have another conversation. There's so much more to talk about, and I'd love to give you that avenue to do it in the future again if you'd come back. Oh, shoot. Yeah. Anything for you guys. And uh, I want to thank the Cincinnati Red fans for – I never got a chance to say thank you for – that 1999 season and the commitment you made to us. It made it fun to come to the ballpark. It made it fun to play in Cincinnati and the tradition that you guys have, you know, and uh, go Reds. Absolutely. Well, I, I will speak for Reds fans. No, Greg, thank you for what you did in that 99 season because it was something, something to watch. That is Greg Vaughn, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you enjoyed it. Check me out on social media if you'd like, at Jim Day TV on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, who knows who will tackle on down the line. It's the Jim Day Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out, and we'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 